Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, May 15th, 2023. The Feast of St. John Baptiste de la Salle was born in Reims, France in 1651. As a young boy, he experienced a deep dissatisfaction with the social gatherings around him, prompting him to seek spiritual guidance from his cousin. He entered the clergy, becoming a canon of the See of Reims at the age of 16. In 1670, he went to Paris to study theology after the death of his parents. He returned home to care for his siblings. It was during this time that he was encouraged encountered a free school for orphan boys and recognized a need for Catholic education for the poor. St. John Baptist de La Salle took on the responsibility of training teachers for these schools and founded the Brothers of Christian Schools, also known as the Christian Brothers. Despite the challenges, St. John Baptist persevered and wrote rules for the institutes, emphasizing a life without money and relying on divine providence. He attributed his wealth to the poor and faced opposition from his disciples who wanted to share of the goods. The institute and its schools faced persecution with the lay teachers being ridiculed and attacked. And in the later years, St. John Baptist faced mistreatment and the loss of his priestly powers. However, he remained steadfast in his faith. And two days before his death, on April 7, 1719, he expressed his hope of entering the promised land of the elect. St. John Baptist de La Salle, mission was to provide a Catholic education for poor boys, and he dedicated his life to that cause. Let us pray to him to help us appreciate the support of all vocations in Holy Mother Church. St. John Baptist de La Salle, pray for us. Happy Monday to you. Praise be to God. I hope you're having a blessed Monday, and I hope you had a blessed Mother's Day as well. I know I did. I was, uh, we'd had a great time yesterday with my mom and my grandmother and, um, and my aunt too. Uh, they all came over and we had, uh, babrakoa and we had some, um, some eggs, some tortillas. It was, uh, what else did we have? We had some boudin as well, which is, uh, <laughs> kind of like, that doesn't fit in the theme, but it's all right. We had tamales. Um, it was a good time. We had a very good time. We went out and did an escape room afterwards, actually, and we did not make it out of the escape room. We died, um, just in case anyone was wondering. So, whoops. And uh, it was a great time. I had a really good time. So, happy Mother's Day to all mothers. Happy Mother's Day to our blessed mother in heaven. Uh, we included Mother's Day by playing, uh, praying a family rosary. Uh, it was a very nice to, thing to do, especially for Our Lady. And uh, I want to know what you did for Mother's Day. So if you could join us in the after show at 30 past the next hour, I'd love to know what y'all did for Mother's Day. And if you can, I'd be happy to hear about it. But speaking of Mother's Day, uh, good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. Yes, Mother's Day I spent with my wife and my mother-in-law. Of course, my father-in-law was was there as well with our two dogs. We had uh, an Italian dish that my wife prepared, and we really had a nice time praying the rosary together. We brought communion after Mass for them and uh, had a wonderful evening. What a great week. What a great start to our day. It's Monday, uh, and uh, as always, we're always happy to be here with you all. And good morning to you, Adrian. Thank you very much. It sounds like y'all had a good weekend. Yes, it was a blessed weekend. We had a nice time together, uh, pro-life dinner with you and some other colleagues over uh, Friday evening. 
And, oh, I already forgot about that. Yeah, it was <laughs> a, a long, long time like, ago. Yeah, exactly. Took the words right out of my mouth. And uh, Saturday, we did as much errands as we possibly could, as well as uh, celebrate the feast of Our Lady of Fatima. There you go. There you go. Uh, what did I do Saturday? I feel like it was super busy, but I can't even remember what I did anymore. I know the feeling. Yeah, the, uh, just with so much going on, you just kind of forget what you did. Oh, it was graduation parties. That's what it was. It was like, gradu- nice. I went to like, thing after thing. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, real quickly, story. Um, <laughs> so embarrassing. I did something incredibly dumb on Saturday. I was heading to my friend's graduation party. I stopped by to get him a card. And the and so before I get so I, I arrive at his house and I'm filling out the card and my brain is on autopilot and so guess what I write on the card? What, happy Mother's Day. Happy birthday. <laughs> I wrote happy birthday on the card and I'm like I I wrote happy birth and I look down and I'm like no <sighs> it's over it's so over. Uh, so anyway, I'll tell you all how that went during the after show. Coming up in this hour, we have at 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about Dr. Taylor Marshall. He's running for president. And who had that on their bingo card? Actually, I did. I talked about this a couple like a month ago, and, and everybody was like, LOL, that's so funny. And I was like, no, I think he's serious. So we'll talk about that coming up at 15 past the hour, plus Bishop Strickland under attack again. Uh, so we're going to defend Bishop Strickland at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Matt Estrada is joining us to talk about care for the elderly. He has a book on the dementia for uh, the dementia rosary, the peace with dementia rosary. Uh, It's a very interesting uh, topic because he uh, reached out to me. He was like, I heard you talking about hospice care, and I totally agree with you. I think we need to have a good Catholic way of dying. And he said that he's starting an organization to do so. And I was like, this is a great opportunity to talk about this. So he'll be on with us at 30 past the hour to talk about that. And so stay with us, plus our Fear and Trembling game show in the next hour and our after show. And we'd love to hear about how your Mother's Day went and how your weekend went. But let's begin in prayer. As always, we're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you have in your heart. We'll be praying for all mothers today. Um, whenever I know we, it was a Mother's Day was yesterday, but nonetheless, we'll be praying for all mothers today. And we'll be praying for your intentions, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We're going to pray the Subtuum, which is an ancient third century prayer dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Subtuum presidium confugimus sancta dei genitrix, nostra deprecationis ne despicias in necitativus, sed apericulis cunctis libra nos semper virgo glorioso et benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions in our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Thank you very much, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Monday, May 15th, and these are your headlines for today. The Pillar is reporting the Vatican is asking Bishop Rick Sticka of the Diocese of Knoxville to resign. According to sources close to the Vatican's dicastery for bishops, Pope Francis decided last month to request Sticka's resignation after reviewing the results of a Vatican-ordered investigation into the bishop's management. Sticka is accused of protecting Wojciech Sobzuk 
A seminarian accused multiple times of sexual assault. Sticker last year admitted to the pillar that he interfered with a diocesan review board investigation into the allegations against Sabzuk. The pillar said that the seminarian was a victim of the alleged sexual assault, not the aggressor. Catholic News Agency is reporting Archbishop Tarsisius Isayo Kikuchi of the, Archb the Archbishop of Tokyo in Japan was elected on Saturday evening as the 13th president of Caritas International. Catholic News Agency is also reporting Pope Francis is praying for the ceasefire to hold between the Israelis and Palestinians. Pope Francis prayed Sunday that the recently signed ceasefire between Israelis and Palestinians will be maintained and that, quote, the weapons will be silenced, end quote. And finally, Breitbart News is reporting more than half of Americans say motherhood is the most important role for a woman to fill in today's world, a Rasmussen Report poll found. Deo gratias. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 15, verses 26 through chapter 16, verse 4. Well, when the truth-giving spirit who proceeds from the Father has come to befriend you, he whom I will send to you from the Father's side, he will bear witness of what I was. And you too are to be my witnesses. You who from the first have been in my company, I have told you this so that your faith may not be taken unawares. They will forbid you the synagogue, nay, the time is coming when anyone who puts you to death will claim that he is performing an act of worship to God. Such things they will do to you because they have no knowledge of the Father or of me. And I have told you this, so that when the time comes for it to happen, you may remember that I told you of it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There is a lot of commentary here from Cornelius Alapide. As always, here on verses 26 and 27, he wanted to focus in on the procession of the, of the Holy Ghost from the Father and the Son. Now, he goes into in-depth about this topic, but I only want to talk about briefly one thing here. It says here, St. Thomas, Suarez, and others give the reason a priori, because if the Holy Ghost did not proceed from the Son he would not be distinguished from the Son. For in the Godhead there is no distinction save in the procession of one from another and the distinction of relationship. Now he goes in to talk about how the verse proves this and goes through it kind of in depth. But really quickly, the point here is that the distinction between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is that of procession, is that of relationship between one and another. So if the Son proceeds from the Father alone, who is begotten of the Father before all ages. And if it was the case that the Holy Ghost also proceeded from the Father alone, begotten before all ages, well, then what is the difference between the Son and the Holy Ghost ontologically? What is the difference between them and the Godhead? Well, there would be none. So it must be that there is some kind of distinction between the Son and the Holy Ghost. And what is that distinction? Well, it makes it clear that it's that the, the Holy Ghost proceeds from the Father and the Son, which is what we see that is articulated in the Nicene-Constantinople Creed. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And that is a great controversy with the East, but yet, nonetheless, it is, in fact, true. All right, we'll go on to the next part of this, which is a commentary on the, uh, last, the verses 1 through 4. He says here, For the time cometh, and whoso killeth you will think that he doeth good, doeth God's service. He says that Maldantus takes but to mean because, 
from the Hebrew word kai being so translated by the Septuagint. Service, the service that is, which is due to God alone, both Jews and Gentiles will offer you up as a sacrifice to God, counting you the offscoring of all things. Moreover, St. Augustine thinks that this was said to console the apostles. The Jews will cast you out, but I will gather you, and ye will convert so vast a multitude of men to me that the Jews, fearing the desertion of the temple and the law, would kill you, considering that they would thus greatly honor God by killing you in their defense. The martyrs of Lyons considered this was the fulfilled in their case, quoting this very text. Christ here foretells the persecution of the Roman emperors for 300 years, in which more than 200,000 Christians were martyred. They were led to this by various motives, as though fearing the destruction of their empire, which rested in the hereditary religion. As regarding with abhorrence the worship of a crucified man with the apostle, which the apostles taught, as seeing their own vices and impurities uprooted by the apostles, as persecuted by their priests that the Christian religion was the cause of all public calamities. These things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. He says it's not to excuse the persecutors, but rather to comfort the apostles. The reason why Jews and Gentiles will persecute you, he would say, is because they refuse to acknowledge me as the Son of God, the Father, though established by countless miracles, and therefore their ignorance will only aggravate their guilt. But it will be a consolation to you in your persecution, that ye know me and my Father, and are suffering for both our sakes. For if it is glorious to die for one's country, it is even more glorious to die for God. If a prince or his ambassador enters a city unattended and consequently not known and is treated with indignity, he cares little for it. For when his retinue arrives, he will make himself known and put to shame those who derided him. This is a very good thing to say and a very good thing to know. Because what does this prove to us, to you and I, that we will be persecuted, that it is necessary, that our Lord predicted these things that way when it happened, we would not be like, what? How? Why are we being persecuted? That doesn't make any sense. No, it's going to recognize because we, we will know the scriptures and we will look to the scriptures and we will see and say, our Lord told us this would happen. He knew that this would happen. And so we should not be scandalized. We should not be afraid. We should not cower in fear. Instead, we should be proud to be persecuted by the world, by the Jews and the Gentiles, in order to stand up for Christ and for the truth of the gospel, the whole gospel. We'll be right back with more. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the ten most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security, disagreement, present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, Disagreement. Relationship of baptism to salvation. Disagreement. Church government. Disagreement. Life beginning at conception until natural death. Disagreement. And eschatology. Disagreement. So what's going on here? Well, if you are someone who says, all I need is the word of God, brother, because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life. Okay. Hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger, your favorite preacher, your favorite podcaster, and most of all, your religious Google searches. Well, speaking of Google searches, I do request one last Google search for you. Magisterium. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. So good to be here. You know, there is some interesting stories over the weekend. Actually, a ton of stories. Everybody wants to talk about the the CNN story with uh, Donald Trump. And honestly, I don't really care. <laughs> it, the We're still like a year and a half out from the election. Wow. When we are one year away, then I'll start paying attention to... These kind of things because um, everything's going to change. There's every, everything's there's there's no uh, consistency in the in what's going to happen, and so I'm not worried about it. However, one interesting thing about the news cycle over the weekend, one interesting thing about the presidential run, is that there is a new runner in the presidential election. Who would that be? That would be Dr. Taylor Marshall. And who had that on their bingo card? Anybody had on their on their 2023 bingo card Dr. Taylor Marshall running for president? It's funny because he has mentioned this in the past. And I I used to listen to Dr. Taylor Marshall uh, very, very frequently. Now I kind of just tune in every once in a while to a show. It's just there's a lot of things out there. And I just so happened to be listening to an episode of his about a month ago where he was saying, hey, should I run for president? And everybody in the chat was like, yes, you should run for president. Do it. Do it. That's a great idea. You should totally do it. And he goes, all right, I'm going to set up a party. It's going to be called the Crisis King Party. It's going to be third party. And I'm going to run for president. And I mentioned it the next day on the on the show. And I mentioned it in our private Telegram chat. And I think I tweeted about it, too. Yes, you did. Yeah. And I was like, uh, and so everybody was like, oh, my gosh, that's, uh, that's crazy. It's crazy. And then no one believed he was serious. And Dr. Harry Marshall actually retweeted my tweet about him announcing it, and now everybody's saying, oh, he announced it on May 12th. And I'm like, mm, he actually announced it like a month ago. But nonetheless, um, he did come out, and he said that he is running for president, and everybody is uh, is freaking out about it. And I think this is a great thing. There's people who are saying, this is horrible, this is terrible, Dr. Taylor Marshall, he's a grifter, uh, don't trust him. And I don't, and I, my response is, um... I don't care. I don't care if he's a grifter or not. I don't really care if he's doing it to make money. I think this will be a good thing. He's creating a third party in the United States called the Crisis King Party. At the very least, would that signal something really great in an uh, in American uh, public sphere? Also, the goal is, and he actually stated this a month ago, and we talked about this when, we, when it came up. A month ago, he came out and he explained why he was doing this. And why is he doing this? He explicitly said it's so we, he can move the overtune window. He said he's not. He knows he's not going to win. 
In fact, he said, I don't want to be president. I All I'm doing is I'm running so that way I can help move the conversation so that way people will talk about the Catholic issues and promote Catholic values and try to push people a little bit further to the right. The way this can happen, though, so people are like, well, he's just going to raise money, he's going to enrich himself, and he's not even going to be able to get on the debate stage. Okay, well, how does he get on the debate stage? If he can get 1% of the vote, just 1% of the vote, that'll raise ears. That'll be people on the, on the Republican side will freak out because they're going to say that's 1% of our votes that are being stolen away. Now, the Libertarian Party will take note as well. And even some Democrats will take note because they might be taking some of the Catholic vote from the Democrats. So this is a very, very interesting situation. I'm curious to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm curious to know what the stance is or what the response is from the American Solidarity Party, the, the, the Catholic vote, the Catholic presence in the political sphere, because they represent all things Catholic, uh, albeit uh, from a USCCB st- uh, point of view, which tends to be uh, uh, vanilla-ish and uh, a, a bare glimpse, a, a bare photocopy of what the Democratic Party was 30 years ago. So I'm just curious to know what their response is and what the response is of the other minor parties. And uh, and I do hope Dr. Taylor Marshall does raise those issues. I think he will raise those issues. I just hope that they gain some prominence and some traction. And and uh, let's take a look to see if some of the big name players of the Catholic uh, of the Catholics in politics, like Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh, uh, will take note. Uh, Maybe even uh, that guy from the Blaze. I uh, can't remember his name. Glenn Beck. Yeah, Glenn Beck. He's not Catholic, but uh, they're 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 on those issues. They're they're on board with most of those issues. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. So I I predict that this will actually be better than most people are expecting it to be. People are saying that he will have no no influence. That he's smaller audience than people think he does. But I would. I mean, he's he's already been on the Glenn Beck show before. He was already on the War Room with Steve Bannon before. He's already been. Uh, he did a public prayer for doc, for for Donald Trump at one of his rallies. He's uh, been on with uh, Jack Posobiec, and I don't. I foresee uh, the Daily Wire crew picking him up. I foresee the Tim Pool crowd picking him up as Good. someone to be interviewed. Uh, maybe even um, the Christian Family Radio might pick him up. So I think it'll be an interesting thing to see. And some people are saying things like, oh, I disagree with him theologically. I disagree with his position on X and Y in regards to the Catholics. And, oh, he's so inflammatory. And here's the thing. You're telling me that Dr. Taylor Marshall is so inflammatory and has theological positions so far away from you but that you'd rather vote for Joe Biden or Donald Trump? You think that they are closer aligned to you than Dr. Taylor Marshall is? That, that doesn't make sense to me. That, now that, I'm just like, okay, man, I don't know. I don't know. I would. I think I agree, even though I, I probably agree with Dr. Theodore Marshall about 90% of things, maybe like 95% of things, somewhere between that. And the things that I disagree with him about are much, much smaller than the things I disagree with Joe Biden and Donald Trump about. So I think this is a great opportunity, and I think uh, even if – and I do believe, I do believe that he doesn't actually want to win. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he is going to be go for the long haul. I mean, crazier things have happened in U.S. politics, uh, like some celebrity who is on The Apprentice uh, becoming president, something like that. Um, and so, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? The, it's unpredictable, but it is a good thing to keep our eye on. But I let's agree. move on to this story, which is something that we should definitely uh, talk about. Is 
the is Bishop Strickland. So Bishop Strickland came out over the weekend, and the he's under attack from a lot of sides right now. Bishop Strickland is giving a talk for the group called Hope is Fuel, which is uh, Patrick Coffin's little. He's starting a um, a web conference where he's titling it Hope is Fuel, and the goal of it is to bring hope to people during troubled times, uh, both in the world and in the church. And Patrick Coffin has a has a very interesting opinion right now that's kind of um, it's it's a little fringe. Uh, it's become more fringe recently. He believes that Pope Francis is not the true pope. However, he believes that Pope Benedict was the true pope. And so, but now that Pope Benedict is dead, I don't really know how he kind of squares that hole. However, uh, the point is he disagrees about who the pope is right now. And so many people like uh, many people have come out and disavowed Patrick Coffin and people have revoked and removed himself from his Hope is Fuel conference and say, please take me off of that. I don't want to be associated with you. And Bishop Strickland came out and he said, please allow me to clarify regarding Patrick Coffin. Patrick Coffin has challenged the authenticity of the Pope Francis pontificate. If this is accurate, I disagree. I believe Pope Francis is the Pope, but it is time for me to say that I reject his program of undermining the deposit of faith. Follow Jesus. Now, I thank Bishop Strickland for his clarity here. He didn't remove himself from the Hopeless Fuel concert, but he did say, I don't, I disagree with the position. Because not everybody who you appear on with, not everybody you talk to, not everybody that you speak at their events, do you have to agree with. In fact, how many people do you know that spoke at the L.A. Rec Conference? I know many people that are associated with, uh, like, Bishop Barron. Yep. Um, EWTN uh, people have spoken at the L.A. Rec Conference. Does that necessarily mean that those people approve of everything that happens at the L.A. Rec? Well, I certainly hope not. I certainly hope not. There's a lot of really bad things that happen at the L.A. Rec. And so if that's the case, I mean, that's very concerning. So people appearing on the Hope is Fuel concert, uh, not concert, uh, conference, it does not mean that these people agree with Patrick Coffin. And that's okay. We don't have to agree with everything in order to appear in other people's uh, pro- programs. Otherwise, we can never appear in anybody's program because I don't think we agree with anybody about everything about everything. But here's the other thing. So people started coming after him and started attacking him. And so he responds with another tweet. Bishop Strickland says, in these troubling times with so much confusion, even from Rome, it is critical to remain in the church. He says schismatic groups like the SSPX or set of a contest, however, well-intended are an injury to the body of Christ. We must fight for total unity not just aspects of Catholicism. Now, immediately I applaud Bishop Strickland for his faithfulness to the church, and he says, remain in the church. But then he says things like, okay, well, the SSPX is schismatic. And so people were very upset. They were saying, oh, Bishop Strickland, he's gone off the rail. He's attacking the the Society of St. Pius X. And some people were praising him for it, like, okay, good job. Um, The group where Peter is came out and said, uh, condemning Pope, uh, Bishop Strickland saying, Bishop Strickland, he has crossed the Rubicon. He's gone too far. Even if he says the SSPX is schismatic, he's still bad. And then Bishop Strickland, uh, the next day, he I don't know what happened. I don't know if he went on a phone call with Bishop Athanasius Snyder or wh- whoever he spoke to. But the next day, he put out another tweet saying, a correction. As Bishop Snyder has stated, the SSPX is not in schism. The SSPX continues to hold tradition out for the universal church. 
the Eucharist of the SSPX is held as valid by the Catholic Church, we must turn to Jesus' Eucharistic face. Now, this is very clear to me that this is uh, a, a Bishop Strickland. This is the thing that I love about Bishop Strickland. He's honest. You may not agree with everything he says. And like I said, this, this kind of theme here, you don't have to agree with everything everyone says. If someone is a believer in the dogmas of the faith, if someone is trying to be faithful to the church, is trying to live according to the dictates of the church to the best of their ability, they're constantly trying to form their conscience and they get some things wrong. Well, let's have charity for those people if people of goodwill and let's take a deep breath and say, it's okay if we disagree. We don't have to agree about everything in these confusing times. That's part of the, the scandal of the crisis is that there are confusing times. And so Bishop Strickland makes a correction. And I appreciate that because Bishop Strickland recognizes that these are confusing times and he doesn't know everything, that he's learning just like every one of us. Every single one of us, we are currently learning the situation and we're trying to figure out what the uh, truth is and what the falsity is. And it's clear to me that what he's saying is true. What he's saying is true. He says that he cannot get behind the program of Pope Francis that seems to be attacking the church. And so he says it seems to undermine the deposit of faith. And people say that's crazy. That's crazy that Bishop Strickland could say such a thing. But it seems to be the case. He comes out and he changes the catechism's teaching on the death penalty. He comes out and he changes uh, the position on a divorce and remarriage. And people say, okay, well, that's not true. That's not true. But it certainly appears that way. It certainly appears that way that that's the case. So we're going to have to look at this in a very much in-depth fashion and look at these things. I mean, it's just such a scandal to see Pope Francis come out and say that God wills the diversity and plurality of religions, that he can canonize uh, schismatic saints. It's very, very concerning. So I thank you, Bishop Strickland. So the mission today is to pray for Bishop Strickland, that he stays faithful because people are reporting him to the papal nuncio. They're trying to get him defrocked. They're trying to get him fired. They're trying to get him removed. So pray for Bishop Strickland and send some words of encouragement his way. If you have any way of getting in contact with him, send some encouragement his way. He's going to need it, and he's going to need prayers. Uh, Coming up next, uh, Dying with Dignity. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When determining specific moral truths, most Christian churches say they use the Bible, so it's safe to say that they have agreement on doctor-assisted suicide, abortion, contraception, and embryonic stem cell therapy. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a challenge for you. Speak with the five closest non-Catholic church pastors near to where you live. Inquire if they only use the Bible to determine their church stances on these issues. Secondly, my findings, there are some similar on abortion, but varied with two key exemptions. No common stance on embryonic stem cell therapy, contraception was accepted by all, and no across-the-board agreement on doctor-assisted suicide. And thirdly, my comeback. Should these social issues of life really be determined through individual conviction? Well, maybe we should just leave the determinants of salvation up for grabs also. Remember, the ones Jesus called the least of these will always be in grave danger if their existence is left up to individual conviction. Finally, check the very stance of the Catholic Church on these weighty issues. It's impressive. 
show, the neighbor who we've spoken to, you know, just in greeting, but who I don't believe has ever spoken back to us, out of the blue uh, surprised us. One day we were getting the kids in the car for Mass and asked us if we were going to Mass. I was dumbstruck for about probably 10 seconds. It was great that we had an opportunity to share about our parish and that we were Catholic. Turned out she was Catholic too, and she assumed we were because of the bumper sticker on our car. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Monday, May 15th, the year of our Lord, 2023. And these are your headlines for this morning. Catholic News Agency is reporting a new film from EWTN Ireland was shown at the Vatican earlier this month called Faith of Our Fathers. It tells the story of a Catholic priest in hiding during the 16th and 17th centuries. The film depicts the, community, depicts the community's efforts to protect him as he ministered to the faithful and celebrated outdoor masses during the penal times in Ireland when civil disabilities were imposed on Catholics. Zenit is reporting the UK Minister for Europe inaugurated the new premises of the British Embassy to the Holy See near the Vatican. The British Ambassador to the Holy See has also moved into a new residence that is uniquely among his colleagues on Vatican soil. The UK and the Holy See celebrated 40 years of full dim diplomatic relations in 2022. Catholic News Agency is reporting Pope Francis issues a new constitution for the Vatican City-State. The new constitution called the Fundamental Law of Vatican City-State is a third in history and replaces the old one back in 2000. The first constitution was instituted in 1929 which founded the City-State of the Vatican and guaranteed its sovereignty. And finally, the Daily Wire is reporting U.S. Border Patrol agents arrested an Afghan national on the FBI's terrorism watch list who illegally entered America by crossing its southern border with a group of migrants last week. The individual, who was not identified, made it across the U.S.-Mexico divide near Ote Mesa, California on Wednesday. Fox News national correspondent Bill Mulligan tweeted on Saturday, the reporter, who cited multiple U.S. Customs and Border Protection sources, said he was told the FBI confirmed the match and the Bureau is leading an investigation. I am Tito Edwards, and these are your headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us right now is Matthew, and he's going to have to correct me on his name. Estrad, I believe, is he's a renowned uh, geron gerontologist and a founder of Catholic Aging uh, to our show. They focus on Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Matthew's expertise is great in uh, his book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary, and his insightful podcast as a caregiver, support group, facilitator, and provider at mycatholicdoctor.com. Matthew is dedicated to offering support and guidance to families navigating the challenges of aging. So good morning to you, Mr. Estrad. Oh, one second. We're not able to hear you. Uh, let's get that fixed and made, made sure that's uh, taken care of, Tito. Um, let's see if we have uh, our computer muted or something like that. We'll make sure. Are you, can we hear you, Matt? Matt. Can you hear me? Nope, cannot hear you. One more time. Uh, Give it a go, Matt. You, there you me? go. There you go. Now I can hear you. Perfect. Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Yes, sir. We can hear you loud okay, and clear. Okay, now I can't hear y'all. Oh, that's not good. That's not uh, good. Okay, let's see. Well, we'll we get that work out. Well, while we uh, get that taken care of and we start working on that, the 
book that we're talking about is The Peace with Dementia Rosary. And it's interesting because uh, Matt sent me an email, and I thought this was really great. He sent me an email, and he was saying, oh, I really loved what you were talking about, the hospice care, because it's very concerning. I and mean, We should care for our elderly. It's very important, and it's part of the corporal works of mercy to take care of those who are dying to bury the dead and to, I know the fourth commandment tells us that we need to honor our father and mother. And when our parents get old and our grandparents get old, uh, what are we going to do with them, right? Are we going to stick them in a home and let someone else take care of them? Or are we going to walk them through this? And just as our parents took care of us when we were in our diapers, uh, so too are we called to take care of our parents whenever they are heading toward the end of their life. Uh, but Mr. Estrad, uh, good morning to you. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Adrian. Good morning. Ah, perfect. Praise be to God. Uh, so let's start here. We'll get to your book in a second, but let's start with uh, this idea of the uh, Catholic aging. Uh, how can we take care of those who ultimately they can't take care of themselves? Yeah, it's such it's such a big topic. But uh, you know, the uh, the overall theme is you know just like just like you said, they took care of us when we were younger. They raised us. We are responsible for. At, for 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 piety to take care of them as they age um, and go into their uh, eternal reward and uh, you know there's a lot wrapped up into that because many of us have our own families uh, but we're still called to uh, to take care of them and to uh, really focus on them because I think a lot of us we want to you know taking care of our families is one thing our immediate family our spouse our kids but you know a lot of us. We, we have distractions around us and we want to uh, go to those distractions rather than focus on their care as they age. Now, you were telling me that you were working with some people on trying to find ways and better ways to uh, to take care of the elderly. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, so I'm part of uh, a, a virtual healthcare platform uh, called My Catholic Doctor. Uh, it was co-founded by Dr. Kathleen Ber uh, Berkelman uh, up in Connecticut. And it's basically, you know, there are providers from every specialty, including primary care, including hospice and palliative care uh, to assist families with uh, decision making and with their care. So uh, we have we recently formed a sort of a subgroup within our platform that that uh, really addresses uh those who are aging, those who are might have questions about hospice and palliative care. So it's strictly consult consultative right now. And specifically what we're trying to do is create educational materials that speak very specifically to the Catholic view of hospice of uh, and in the broader the broader palliative care, which I can go into or for our audience if uh, if you would like me to. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's start with that. I think that's a, a great thing to cover because I was saying how, hey, if anybody knows of any Catholic palliative care, of Catholic hospice care, I'm not anti, because people are saying Adrian hates elderly people and he hates hospice workers. And I'm like, no, I don't. I What I want is I want there to be hospice care workers and hospice uh, programs that are going to uphold Catholic teaching, are not going to try to push for uh, dig dying with dignity, which is essentially uh, suicide or, or murder in many cases. And the and instead, I want genuine care for the elderly. So tell me, how can people, what groups are out there? How do people get connected with them? Tell me about these, uh, these Catholic hospices and Catholic palliative care. 
Yeah, so uh, so if I quickly define palliative care, it's this umbrella term. It covers a lot of things. It covers people from uh, you know, pediatric oncology patients who are looking for symptom management all the way up into the end of life. So it can cover that that whole span. So palliative care for people should be something that people um, embrace and they're not afraid of uh, because it's really about symptom management. It's about pain management. Uh, and hospice care is also, hospice care just happens to be prescribed by a physician. It involves different insurance carriers and it is towards the end of life. So hospice will be prescribed when the when the a physician, the, per, the patient's physician feels like this person has six months or, or, or less to live. And uh, so then, then changing, uh, sorry, the, the care shifts from curative, uh, they still they still do they still manage certain things but it switches to just comfort and that's where people get worried because you, you may you may get a different dot most likely you would get the medical director uh, is now going to be uh, your physician now for that hospice so you're not seeing your doctor anymore certain medications you're not allowed to take anymore so uh, but what so what I would recommend that someone find a Catholic hospice or a Catholic physician so specifically here in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, we have Notre Dame Hospice, and they are, you know, as you might expect, they are, uh, you know, they're going to make sure that they're true to the Catholic faith. But you also have to be careful because there are other, I don't want to name any hospices locally, but they're named after saints. Uh, so they have a, a Catholic ring to it. So that's one thing for people. It, it doesn't mean that they're not representing the Catholic view, but it just means that you can't take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, all of us have to be, you know, just very weary um, and be, educate ourselves. So that's, that's sort of the things that we're trying to do uh, at, through this smaller group at My Catholic Doctor and with Catholic Aging. We want people to really be aware, first of all, uh, of the benefits of hospice um, and also what to look for. Uh, so with that awareness, like, okay, this something good could happen, something unfortunate could happen. Uh, next comes the education of how do I find the right place uh, what are some thing red flags that I'm, you know, looking out for? Because a lot of people, um, you know, they're concerned about medications. They're uh, being over medicated. They're afraid that a certain medication might hasten their death. And of course, as Catholics, we don't believe at that. And I'm, I'm sure most Catholics believe. I'm sorry, most Christians believe that. Hopefully, uh, but it's something just to be aware of because sometimes a medication can cause a death. It's not intended. And in uh, two of the two of the podcasts that I did with a Catholic uh, palliative and hospice um, physician on on my on my YouTube channel, you know, he, he brings up these sort of these cautions, but also some of these myths that are around hospice and medications. So we'll we'll be producing more things, especially out of my Catholic doctor. Yeah, that's great. Praise be to God. And so maybe people check out mycatholicdoctor.com. I mean, that sounds like a great resource, especially I mean, people are always looking. They want Catholic OB/GYNs and things like that. And it's yeah. good to be able to get connected. And the other thing that you had mentioned is uh, is saints. Uh, the place is named after saints. And it's sad, but it used to be the case that religious sisters or religious people, very Catholics, would open up these hospitals. But that was mm -hmm. 60 years ago, 100 years ago. And now has the same name. May not be the same people running it, so just keep be aware. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Peace with Dementia Rosary, a very interesting topic, and a very a lot of people suffer with uh, this exact 
problems. I want to talk about that when we come back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, it's funny. Today is uh, the feast day that is directly related to this topic we're talking about. We're talking to Matt Estrad, who wrote this book, Peace with Dementia Rosary. And he also works with Catholic Aging and MyCatholicDoctor.com. And this is our, our great services to help people with trying to find not just medical care, but also with anything in regards to uh, your aging, your uh, the um, medical process, people who are wanting, looking for OB-GYNs, people looking for primary care doctors, people looking for all sorts of things, palliative care, all these different things. Are, he's working with all these different programs. But uh, tell me about the saint of the day, Mr. Ashrod, and how it relates to the topic at hand. Yeah, thanks, Adrian. Yeah, so St. Dymphna, D-Y-M-P-H-N-A, um, was a Belgian uh, princess. And this is back, gosh, I hope I can remember this. So it's like thir- the 1300s. So she's, so she, it, today's her feast day in the uh, the new calendar. And uh, so she was a princess. Her her mother passed away, mother who was a queen passed away. Her king, uh, her, her husband, her, sorry, her father, who is a king, um, he had a mental breakdown and, uh, long story short, he, uh, he was coaxed by his, um, his advisors to try to, to marry his daughter because they said, Hey, that woman right there looks like, uh, looks like your wife. So, uh, she of course flees. She wants to, this is, wants no part of this. She dedicates her life to Jesus. Uh, she wants to remain a virgin. So she flees the country with a priest uh, she's later tracked down um, in the meet before she's tracked down. She's able to establish hospitals and take care of the sick and the poor. Uh, she is found and she is martyred rather than given to uh, the king who thinks that this is, you know, some other woman. And uh, so she is uh, currently the patient, the, the patron saint of those with uh, anxiety, depression, mental disorders. And we in, in that group, 
we bring in dementia. Amen. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the speaking of dementia, it's it's really tragic. My my older sister uh, works as a speech language pathologist and she goes into a lot of these uh these elderly homes, various different elderly homes and tries to help a lot of these people with uh, their speech problems. And she encounters a lot of people with dementia and uh, very other uh, Alzheimer's disease and these kind of things. And it's mm-hmm. absolutely the most tragic thing. I'm, my sister comes home and she's like in tears some days. And I'm just like, I mean, oh my goodness. Like, I don't know how you do this because she's like, oh yeah, they, they talk about it. I was like, have your, has your family visited you? It's like, no, they haven't visited me in a long time. And it turns out they had visited them the day before. They, they, they think that they have been abandoned in when they haven't mm-hmm. been. And these stories are just are just heartbreaking to me. Uh, so tell me about uh, Alzheimer's, dementia. What do we know about it and what do we know and how? what's the connection here with the rosary? Yeah, so so just like uh, in, the, in the earlier segment, I said that palliative care is this broad umbrella term. Dementia is also a broad umbrella term and it, it is to describe a group of symptoms like memory impairment, which I think most of us connect with dementia, uh, but also disor- disorientation of time and place. Like someone might think that you know, they're, they're 20 years old now and it's, it's the 1950s, that sort of thing, or they're in their current home, but they're like, I want to go home. Um, uh, impaired judgment. So there's many of these uh, similar thing, uh, similar symptoms, uh, lack of lack of understanding language, being able to uh, understand what words are like we do. So a lot of things we take for granted, they're not able to do. It's because their brain is changing and their brain is basically dying. Now, there are specific types of diseases that cause that brain change or uh, Alzheimer's disease that you mentioned. That's the most common. We think it's involved in at least 60 percent, sometimes 80 percent of of these cases. Uh, But then it can also be vascular uh, dementia can be caused by lack of blood flow to the brain. Uh, Lewy body dementia has different types of proteins on the brain that cause hallucinations. So there's all these different types. So if we say dementia, we've sort of covered all of them. Um, now, of course, if someone has dementia, they want to work with their physician to whittle down to which one it is, because there's sometimes there are different treatments or things that you want to avoid, uh, depending on the type. So the and the interesting uh, tie-in with the rosary is that our our uh, prayer, poetry, these sort of things are on the right, basically, generally speaking, on the right side of the brain. They tend to, they tend to stay intact. So especially long-term memory. For, so for someone who has prayed the rosary or, they're fat, or they've been Catholic uh, for, for decades and decades, basically their whole life, they're going to remember these prayers and especially the rosary. So this is a source of not only, of course, the graces, the 15 promises that we have from the rosary, but it can bring a sense of comfort for that person because it's something very familiar. It's something that they can do. So I've heard amazing stories about people still remembering the Our Father, the Hail Mary, even even remembering the Latin Mass because that's what they grew up with and that's what is retained in their brain. So it's such a beautiful, uh, you know, thing that 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 they're left with that most people are left with when they have this um, really challenging disease that's you know affects the person um, as you describe, but also you know the family who's trying. Most families are trying to do their best. And the rosary, uh, the, the piece with dementia rosary was my attempt to have a, uh, a primer, really, on cognitive impairment um, built around the 20 mysteries of the rosary. So uh, if you look at it, uh, you know, there's a little bit of education. Uh, there's sort of mini chapters, 20 mini chapters, and they cover from 
a probable diagnosis all the way till after a loved one has passed away, the caregiver, they have this, they have to go through this shift because they've lost their loved one and they've lost this really meaningful, beautiful role. They're used to having their life usually revolve around their loved one that they've taken care of. And while there's some sense of relief in most caregivers, there's also a great loss of that particular role, not just the person, but the role. And now they kind of have to shift into how do I, how am I, how do I act post care, active caregiving? So there's support groups and bereavement groups and advocacy and they can volunteer. So there's a lot, that's, that's sort of what we cover and everything in between. We cover depression, we cover uh, ambiguous loss because the person is still physically there in front of you, but they've changed. They're not the same person, but they still maintain their dignity. They're made in the image of God, as we know. So, uh, so lots to say about that, but that's, that's the basics of the piece with dementia rosary. No, that's wonderful. And you know, it's interesting. And this is, it's kind of a side note, but it's the same topic is large families is having a, having a large family, because you kind of touch on this in the book, um, this idea of, of having to having to deal with your your elderly uh, these the people who are suffering from dementia people suffering from these kind of things and I know personally I'm I'm far from the most patient person on the planet very far from that and I was not even close to my my great grandmother's primary care caregiver whenever uh, she was uh, dying and I went to come visit her uh, every week I was visiting her and I was like wow like I cannot like whoo my my uh, aunts and uncles who are taking care of her. I'm like, you guys are amazing for doing so because I can see how that gets very frustrating very quickly. A lot of these things like, oh, she won't eat. Now I got to sit here for 45 minutes trying to get her to eat. And I get it. I can get it. But at the same time, it's it's a huge struggle. And it kind of it heart, it's very heartbreaking to me to see people say, I only want two kids. I only want three kids. I only want one kid and things like that. And I see my, my great grandmother who had uh, almost a dozen kids and they were able to cycle through and take care of her over time. And it's like, what are you going to invest in at the end of the day? What are you going to invest in uh, with your kids, with your family? You can, it, it becomes, that burden is light. Many hands make light work and the burden mm-hmm. becomes much lighter whenever you have your whole family there. And I can see, I can understand why people get frustrated, but I think that's, that's one thing that we should keep in mind when we are talking about starting families and things like that is investing in our Absolutely. future. Um, but what are your thoughts about the things I, that I just brought up? Kind of just, I just kind of just shotgunned a, uh, just splattered a bunch of information. Feel free to pick up whatever. Good stuff. <laughs> that was good stuff. Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. I think people are not thinking about later on. Uh, they may have taken for granted their large family that they grew in, their brothers and sisters. So when they're, you know, when it's time for them, uh, they themselves to get married, they're not thinking about, you know, all the support that was there uh, for their grandparents. So, yeah, I mean, Gosh, think ahead. I mean, we want to we want more Catholics as possible, bigger families uh, as big as, as possible. But but yeah, for for that practical reason, I think many people don't think about it. Yeah, for sure. And it's 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 so. How do people who are who have these parents who have people in their family who are suffering from this? How do you recommend to them to be able to endure and be patient and try to take care of them without? Uh, being so frustrated, I, have, I know some people who are like, 
every single week I go to confession. I confessed being uh, disrespectful to my parents because I go over to take care of them and they're not grateful and I'm trying to help them. And, uh, and I hear that, that kind of thing happen uh, all the time. Uh, luckily, we're not there yet in my family uh, for maybe a couple more decades uh, before we have to deal with that. But how do you deal? Uh, how do you recommend to people whenever they are suffering from that? Yeah, so it's a it's a broad. I think it's a broad approach and a and a, and a very specific and personal approach. And what I try to do with say CatholicAging.com and the book is to bring that awareness and education. So like, these are things that you're going to be faced with. These are, these are very practical caregiving things, but then also what's more, most, most important, you know, we talked about the, the works of mercy. So it's like, you have the corporal works of mercy, which I like to cover, which I like to say are the practical tips around caregiving and how to best serve them and also take care of yourself as a caregiver. Um, and then, but then you have the spiritual works of mercy. I think people, a lot of people, I think they forget that we're body and soul and that if we're not taking care of the the soul and as well as caregivers, if we're not looking at our actions and how it impacts our soul, you mentioned people going to confession. And I think that's amazing that people that, that you that people have told you that before, because that, you know, that tells them something that they're they're concerned that, you know, the things that I do as a caregiver the care that I offer, it does have an impact on my soul. And something in the actually in the last this is not in the this is not in the piece with Demetra Rosary, but it's been developing over the last three to six months. And it's this idea of caregiving or even having dementia as an opportunity to 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 choose virtue or to choose vice. Uh, if, so for example, in even these big families uh, where there are, you know, adult many adult children, so it usually falls on one or two. And that's that's virtuous, right? That the those those one or two they step up. But if those two that step up, if they're bitter, if they don't forgive the other siblings that are not involved, now they have their own deal. They have their own uh, sins, perhaps that they're displaying. Uh, but if that virtuous caregiver is not choosing to forgive them, is not praying the light of Christ prayer for them, is not you know have them you know praying for their conversion. Uh, not just to the faith if needed, but also to come back to the family and help out. If they're not doing that, then they're getting in their whole, a whole other mess of um, sins and possibly Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. a great work's not being efficacious. So. No, yeah, that's a big deal. But DementiaRosary.com, check it out. Matt Estrada, thank you very much for joining us. But that's going to do it for the first hour. We're definitely have to have a back to talk more about this. That's going to do it. We'll be right back with more after this. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're not Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, sin, Savior, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it's supposed to be in the Bible? Martin Luther said no. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were all under the influence of the Holy Spirit as they discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible, and Esther was included. Secondly, for a writing 
beginning to be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity, it was not a necessity to contain any theological explanations. And thirdly, a tough comeback. Oftentimes, we deceive ourselves by wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness. Our own arrogance can blind us. The feeling of, quote, an inner witness is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a windy, jagged cliff. So on a religious feeling, don't just immediately buy into passionate testimonies, new truths, or prophetic texts. That four-letter word, feel, will get you every time. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. KSHJ, Houston. Hi, my name is Anais Katz, and I attend to Immaculate Conception Church. And you're listening to KSHJ, 1430 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. So good to be on with you today. You know, it's so interesting to me, the celebration of Mother's Day. It's not really a... I'm kind of curious about the origins of Mother's Day in America, where it came from, because we're in the month of May, which is dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And who is ultimately our mother? And that would be the Blessed Virgin Mary. Many people who have lost their mothers, many people who have their mothers passed away when they were young, or maybe even in their adulthood, or many other different situations that people may find themselves in, orphans. Many people find themselves in these situations. And ultimately, at the end of the day, they have their heavenly mother there who loves them who our Lord told them, behold your mother. He tells that to the beloved disciple. And, you know, it's always so sad to me to think about the Protestants who don't have that. It's like, it's heartbreaking to me that the Protestants don't have that relationship. They don't have that love of a, of a heavenly mother. And it's kind of funny to talk about these kind of things. I was at a one of the graduation parties I was at over the weekend. They were talking about the Blessed Virgin and the Protestants. And it was funny. Someone said that they were talking to a Protestant and they said, uh, they said, well, the beloved disciple. So they know he doesn't say John. He says the beloved disciple. Behold your mother. Are you not the beloved disciple? And I made a joke. I was like, well, I am. I'm the beloved disciple. That's why I say behold your mother. That's why I call her mom. And I don't know about you, but I, I call her mom because I want to be the beloved disciple. But it's interesting to me that Mother's Day falls during this time where we can have this, of course, natural relationship with our, our earthly mothers, whom we love and who we are devoted to. And, you know, even on the natural level, we have our moms and we want to do things for them. We want to take care of them. We want to not offend them. 
and our hearts break whenever something happens to them. If our mothers cry, if our mothers are sad, if they're disappointed, it's heartbreaking. Now, how much more for our Heavenly Mother? How much more for the mother who loves us even more than our natural parents do? No matter how much your natural parents love you, our Heavenly Mother loves you so much more, infinitely more than that. She loves you, and she wills the good for you. Now, St. Louis de Mumford, in his Secret of Mary, he says, As in the natural life, a child must have father and a mother, so in the supernatural life of grace, a true child of the church must have God for his father and Mary for his mother. If he prides himself on having God for his father but does not give to Mary the tender affection of a true child, he is an imposter, and his father is the devil. Since Mary produced the head of the elect, Jesus Christ, she must also produce the members of the church that is all true Christians. A mother does not conceive a head without members, nor members without a head. If anyone then wishes to become a member of Jesus Christ, and consequently to be filled with grace and truth, he must be formed in Mary through the grace of Jesus Christ which she possesses with a fullness, enabling her to communicate it abundantly to true members of Jesus Christ, her true children. A wonderful, wonderful saying that recognizes to us that we must have Our Lady as a mother, who is a good mother, who loves us unconditionally. He goes on and says, Mary received from God a unique dominion over souls, enabling her to nourish them and make them more and more godlike. St. Augustine went so far as to say that even in this world, all the elect are enclosed in the womb of Mary, and that their real birthday is when the good mother brings them forth to eternal life. Consequently, just as an infant draws all its nourishment from its mother, who gives according to its needs, so the elect draw their spiritual nourishment and all their strength from Mary. A beautiful thing. Something that we should keep in mind. And I, I loved how yesterday, after we got home, we had spent the day celebrating our mothers. And I, when we got home, we asked my mom, okay, what do you want to do? And she said, I want to pray the rosary as a family. And, you know, we're all grown now. We're all adults. It's, uh, we don't really do a family rosary too much anymore. We used to when we were kids, and now all of us are, are adults doing other things. And so we all got together for the first time in a long time, and we prayed a family rosary in front of a statue of Our Lady of Fatima. Hey, uh, <clears throat> got some information here on Mother's Day. And uh, let's see here. Anna Jarvis, uh, around the Civil War, uh, she was Episcopal, Methodist Episcopal, and she she advocated for Mother's Day for 45 years, and finally in 1908, uh, the U.S. Congress implemented into law. They also jokingly said that they would also have to proclaim a mother-in-law day, but uh, <laughs> that joke aside, and that would be the origin of Mother's Day in the U.S. So there we have that. Uh, it started out at, originally as, as a, a liturgical uh, celebration. In the Catholic Church, uh, it can be traced Back to uh, medieval times where uh, they would have Mothering Sunday, 
which during Lent, churchgoers would also take an opportunity to reunite with family after being away due to work, and they would go to their home church where they were baptized. It was established uh, pretty much in the 16th century when Christianity spread throughout all the world. So there are the two origins of Mother's Day. Well, there you go. And so as I was saying, the we were praying uh, the family rosary together, and it was very touching to me because... We had a very we hadn't prayed the family rosary together in a very long time, and it just touched me how a situation we find ourselves in we we find ourselves very busy, and it's very rare that you slow down enough to just sit down with your family and you pray together, and it's a very beautiful thing to do. It's a very beautiful thing to keep in mind. And not to lose track of, because it's so easy to lose track of it in our lives. And so, at the end of the book of Secret of Mary by St. Louis de Montfort, he has this prayer to Mary. And I want to say that prayer uh, together with you, uh, especially after Mother's Day was yesterday. And uh, we're coming up soon on the Queenship of Mary. So I want to pray this prayer with you, and I think it's, it's very beautiful. It's a very beautiful prayer, and I cannot recommend enough St. Louis de Mumford's book, Secret of Mary, a very, very good book. Um, that and Secret of the Rosary, both very small books, too. You could easily read it in a day if you wanted, and if you wanted to do it in a week, it would be, be very just a few pages a day. I highly recommend those books. Uh, but let's pray this prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Hail Mary, most beloved daughter of the Eternal Father. Hail Mary, most admirable mother of the Son. Hail Mary, most faithful spouse of the Holy Ghost. Hail Mary, mother most dear, lady most lovable, queen most powerful. Hail Mary, my joy, my glory, my heart and soul. You are all mine through God's mercy, but I am all yours in justice. Yet I do not belong sufficiently to you. And so once again, as a slave who always belongs to his master, I give myself wholly to you, reserving nothing for myself or for others. If you still see anything in me which is not given to you, please take it now. Make yourself completely owner of all my capabilities. Destroy in me everything that is displeasing to God. Uproot it and bring it to nothing. Implant in me all that you deem to be good. Improve it and make it increase in me. May the light of your faith dispel the darkness of my mind. May your deep humility take the place of my pride. May your heavenly contemplation put an end to the distractions of my wandering imagination. May your continuous vision of God fill my memory with his presence. May the burning love of your heart inflame the coldness of mine. May your virtues take the place of my sins. May your merits be my adornment and make up for my unworthiness before God. Finally, most dearly beloved mother, grant, if it be possible, that I may have no other spirit but yours to know Jesus and his divine will. May I have no soul but yours to praise and glorify the Lord. May I have no heart but yours to love God purely and ardently as you love him. I do not ask for visions or revelations, for sensible devotions or even spiritual pleasures. It is your privilege to see God clearly in perpetual light. It is your privilege to savor 
the delights of heaven, where nothing is without sweetness. It is your privilege to triumph gloriously in heaven, at the right hand of your Son, without further humiliation, to command angels, men, and demons without resistance on their part. It is your privilege to dispose at your own choice of all the good gifts of God without any exception. Such, most holy Mary, is the excellent portion which the Lord has given you, and which will never be taken from you, and which give me great joy. As for my portion here on earth, I wish only to have a share in yours, that is, to have simple faith without seeing or tasting, to suffer joyfully without the consolation of men, to die daily to myself without flinching, to work gallantly for you even until death without any self-interest, as the most worthless of your slaves. The only grace I beg you in your kindness to obtain for me is that every day and every moment of my life I may say this threefold amen. Amen, so be it to all you did upon earth. Amen, so be it to all you are doing now in heaven. Amen, so be it to all you are doing in my soul. In that way, you and you alone will fully glorify Jesus in me during all my life and throughout eternity. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. A very beautiful prayer. A very beautiful prayer and something to keep in mind. It reminds me of Our, of our Lady of Guadalupe appearing to Juan Diego, saying, Am I not your mother? Am I not your mother? In a very beautiful prayer that we could say at any moment to Our Lady in our difficulties and our temptations and any time where we are suffering, we could just call out, show yourself a mother. Show yourself a mother. You who promised me that you would be my mother, show yourself a mother. And we recognize this in our natural mothers whenever we need anything. When we are sad, when we're hurting, when we need someone to help, to listen, for advice, for anything, we can go to our mothers and we can ask them for help. We can call them, we can go visit them, and we're never a burden. We're always loved. And so too with our mother in heaven. At any moment, we just have to dial her up, pick up your beads, call her, and let her know that you love her and ask her for help. But don't always ask her for help. Sometimes just call her to tell her that you love her. Pray to her just to tell her that you appreciate her, you're thankful for her, that you don't need to have anything great, anything wonderful, that you love her just, just for her being her and for her loving you. But in our necessities, in our needs, in our temptations, in our struggles, in our anxieties, in our stresses, we can bring them all to the Blessed Virgin Mary who loves us and bring them all to her and dedicate them to her. And we will find comfort and we will find our answers. So keep that in mind today, especially in when we pass up Mother's Day and it's for the entirety of the month of May dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. But speaking of which, we're going to go into our game show. So we're going to ask our lady to send us a caller. 877 877- 757-9424 you could be that contestant 877 757 
942-4877-757-9424. Fear and Trembling Game Show coming up next. You could be our contestant. Call now, 877-757-9424. I wanted to look more into some of the questions. What about purgatory? What about Mary? What about the saints? I, of course, came across Catholic answers. I was like, well, how can I listen to them? Like, I know they're online, but I mean, that's kind of annoying. Like, I want to just get in my car and listen to them. Like, oh, there's Catholic radio. And I wanted to learn more. I was like, I can't be in like a catechism class every hour of the day. Like, be in the car, have it on radio, listen to things, and start learning more about the faith. It worked, and I'm Catholic now. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know. You know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. You may be asking, what am I calling into? What, What am I listening to? What's going on here? Well, it's very simple. We're playing our Fear and Trembling game show, where we give out prizes and you could win. We have three Catholic trivia questions and the good, the trick is that I am not going to ask you the questions. In fact, I'm going to ask Tito the questions. He's going to have 15 seconds, and he's going to give me an answer. And it's going to be your job to tell me whether or not you are right or whether or not he is wrong. And that means you have a 50-50 chance of getting the answer right, even if you don't know anything about the question. Just guessing gives you a 50-50 chance. Now, every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Thank you, Adrian. They could win. The Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a book from Catholic Answers called Revolt Against Reality, Fighting the Foes of Sanity and Truth from the Serpent to the State. In Revolt Against Reality, Gary Machuda 
explains how an army of liars, manipulators, and bad actors have conspired from the beginning to thwart God's plan. This book now available from Catholic Answers, and is your fear and trembling prize for this week. Well, thank you very much to Catholic Answers for sponsoring the game show this week. The joining us right now via phone is Matthew. Good morning to you, Matthew. Good morning, Matthew. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Texas right now. From Texas, praise be to God. Uh, where in Texas? Um, right now I'm in the uh, like outside of Dallas. Okay. Dallas, Texas. The Dallas Fort Worth area, but you're not from Texas. Yeah. Uh, no, I am from Texas. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. There you go. So praise be to God. Dallas Fort Worth area. Where are you? Uh, I say things. I I like people from outside of Texas too. I say that as if I don't. I, I love everybody outside of Texas. It's just, just Texas is a uh, is my favorite. I'm just I, I play favorites. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All righty, uh, Matthew. Uh, where are you headed off to this morning? Um, headed to school actually. I'm a graduating senior. Oh, praise be to God! Graduating senior. Left. One week left. Praise be to God. Wow. Senior and high school or senior in college. Uh, high school. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Welcome to uh, adulthood. The uh, I've been told adulthood. I was here's the joke I heard. I was going to say it, but I figured I'd just explain it instead. Do it. Uh, the uh, I was told, uh, welcome to adulthood. The worst hood that you've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, I'm that's rough. Experiencing that. <laughs> well, praise be to God. What are your plans for after you graduate? I'm wanting to join the Air Force, actually. Oh, well, praise be to God. That would be a great opportunity to uh, to serve a country. I think I have much respect for everyone who serves the country, even even the Air Force. Even the Air Force. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. Praise <laughs> be to God. That's great. I'm glad that uh, you're thinking about doing a great thing like that. Uh, we need more good people to do great things. And uh, and it's, it's hard to be virtuous in the military, but uh, it takes a special, courageous person to do so. So mm-hmm. hopefully... That is something that you are uh, prepared for. But speaking of being prepared, are you prepared for the game show, Fear and Trembling? Uh, I'd like to say I am. Have you, do you, are you familiar with the game, how it works and everything? Uh, so, yes, yes. It's basically answer yes or no. Basically. Easy peasy. Yeah. I'm looking at the questions here, and it looks like you probably are going to do very well. These questions, uh, I don't know who what uh, Tito was thinking, but this is all easy question Monday. Uh, so I, I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking that you'll do very well today. So are you ready to play the game, Matthew? Yes, I am. Then let's do it. Uh, Tito, first question to you. I'm ready. You're ready. Let's see. The question on the board. In what year was St. Cecilia martyred goodness gracious right off the bat uh saint cecilia ah you know that's that name sounds very contemporary very new cecilia so i'm guessing it's modern 1930 i'm going with 1930 1930 you're saying a stab in the dark wow that's that is very new yeah that's relatively new that's, yeah. that's crazy because I, I I visited a church in Poland named Saint Cecilia's that was built in like the 16th century. But oh, okay, you say 19th. That makes sense to me. All right, Matthew. The question on the board is: In what year was Saint Cecilia martyred? 15 seconds on the clock, Matthew. Tito seems to think he she's a, a modern saint. You know, Cecilia is a very common name. I've heard people name that all the time nowadays, so it must be modern. 1930 says 
Tito, what say you, Matthew? Is he right or is he wrong? 15 seconds of the clock, Matthew, what say you? I thought these were easy questions. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go with, uh, I'm going to say he's wrong. He's going to say you're wrong. Way to go, Matthew. Good that job, Mateo. Correct. That is, in fact, correct. He was uh, St. Cecilia. She was martyred in the year 230. So it was approximately 1,700 years off. Um, but yeah, just a little bit off. Just a just little a bit, bit. Just a little bit off. So, yes, she was an early church martyr. A very, she's. A, I think her name is in the Roman canon, if I'm not correct. Oh goodness, I believe that's right. I uh, wouldn't even be. That wouldn't have been a good answer, even uh, in uh, the Price Is Right. There you go. There you go. Well, ready to go, Matthew. You are rocking it so far. You're doing very well. Uh, you're one for one. That's a hundred percent success rate. I, I think that's good. Uh, hopefully, you're doing the same on your finals. hundred uh, percent success rate. <laughs> but are you ready for question number two, Matthew? Yes. Well, let's jump into it. Question number two, Tito. Okay, I, I'm. I, I think I got this one. All right. Speaking of Mother's Day, which commandment forbids disrespect, unkindness, and disobedience to our parents and lawful superiors? I know Matthew knows this one by heart. I'm sure he's told this by his parents all the time. Uh, which commandment is that, Tito? You know what? I've always had those those feelings towards my parents some not always but sometimes here and there when I was growing up and for some reason I got the fifth commandment in my head always not to do that you know the fifth commandment so uh, I'm going with that you're gonna go with the fifth commandment the fifth commandment because I don't want to do any disrespect any unkind things no 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 disobedience Just, you know I don't want to do anything deadly well there you go there you go he's gonna go with fifth commandment fifth Matthew commandment well 15 seconds of the clock, Matthew. The question on the board, which commandment forbids disrespect, unkindness, and disobedience to our parents and lawful superiors? Hint, hint. I, uh, if he listened to the whole show today, I mentioned it a couple times today. Uh, but let's see if he knows the answer. Is it the fifth commandment? Yes or no, Matthew. 15 seconds on the clock. I'm going to say yes because you, I can't remember the order. Are you sure you want to go with the fifth then I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's wrong. <laughs> Way to go, Matthew. Good Look at he job, picking up Maddie. on those cues. Yes, he, he is. He's a, a very a very keen young man. I'm sure, I'm noticing. I'm noticing this. Not bad he's for a, not being homeschooled. I, he, and he's noticing things. He's very intelligent. I'm noticing. Uh, well, way to go, Matthew. Praise be to God. Thank the, you. the correct answer is, in fact, the fourth commandment is honor okay. thy father and mother. The fourth commandment, honor the, thy father and mother. The fifth commandment is thou shalt not kill. Yes, yes. Thou shalt not murder. Okay. Fifth Your commandment. <laughs> The fourth commandment, thou shalt honor thy father and mother. So you can uh, let your parents know that you uh, you knew that. You're saying, hey, mom and dad, I knew. Fourth commandment, honor thy father and mother. And I totally honor y'all. I'm never disrespectful. Not one time. I've never been disobedient. Nope, never. 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 Not once. Not once. Never. All right. Ever. Let's uh, go into question number trace. Uh, Matthew, are you familiar with, with trace, uh, what language that is? That is Spanish. No, that's that's actually a French. Everybody knows that. That's French oh. for three. Yeah, uh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, number three, uh, Tito. The yes. question on the board. Here we go. In a Catholic church, where is the Blessed Sacrament reserved? Where is the Blessed Sacrament? Where reserved? is the Blessed Sacrament reserved? Being an altar server, I should know this. An instituted acolyte, and let me emphasize. Acolyte not instituted by itself. 
I'd say the tabernacle where it should be pride of place. Right in the middle, right smack in the middle. Right smack in the middle, exactly. There the pride go. of place on uh, above the altar, so we can all praise and worship Him at Orientem. Amen. Yes. So, question on the board, Matthew is in a Catholic church. Where is the Blessed Sacrament reserved? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Tito says in the tabernacle. And that tabernacle should be uh, right behind the altar, smack in the middle of the altar, right behind it, slightly above, right there. The tabernacle is where the Eucharist should be reserved. 15 seconds of the clock, Matthew. What say you? Is he right or is he wrong? What say you, Matthew, from uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area? Uh, He is correct. He is correct. And you got three for three. Praise be to God. You nailed it. Easy peasy. Now you can uh, be like, hey, hey, Good mom, job, brother. celebrating Mother's Day, you know it. I am so grateful, mom, because you taught me the Catholic faith and I uh, and I knew the answers. Easy peasy. Uh, not one second that I was I uh, confused. Not one second was I uh, thrown, a, nope. thrown for a loop. Definitely knew all the Ten Commandments by heart. No Isn't hesitation. Right, yeah, you did an outstanding yeah. job, brother. Well, way to go, Matthew. Praise be to God. You rocked it. And I hope you have a uh, great time with the last week of school. That's pretty exciting. What are your plans for the summer? Um, going to try to sign up for Air Force. going to sign up for the Air Force. Is that, is that going to uh, consist, consist of uh, doing some exercises, getting, some, getting in shape, or do they don't do that for the Air Force? They don't require that. Yes, that is mostly what I'm going to be doing. Really? <laughs> okay, good. Praise be to God. You're not going to watch Maverick or Top Gun? Getting in the um, mood? Already seen Top Gun, uh, the first one, not the new one though. Oh. All right, all right. Well, now you have your homework. Now you have your homework. <laughs> got to get, got to get Maverick. It's a documentary film on uh, the yeah, Air Force. True story. Uh, everybody knows that. Everybody knows documentary. Uh, well, thank you very much. Oh yeah, that's the Navy. That's not even Air Force. I know. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's like yeah, that's not even that's not even Air Force guys. Anyway, uh, that's gonna do it. Stay on the line, Matthew. We're going to get your contact information so we can send the prize to you should your name be drawn on Friday. But stay on hold. But God bless you. God love you. And happy Easter. You too. Thank you. And that's going to do it for the first, the second hour of Catholic Drive Time, the radio side anyway. If you can join us in the after show, hop on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook. We'd love to talk to you. If not, see you back here at 6 a.m. Central on GRN. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Sonia says. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. The Memorial of St. Isidore the Farmer. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of those joining us on Guadalupe Radio Media and all of our online viewers. Ye watchers and ye holy ones, 
Bright seraphs, cherubim, and thrones, raise the glad stream, alleluia. Cry out dominions, princedoms, powers, virtues, archangels, angel choirs, alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Lord God, to whom belongs all creation, and who call us to serve you by caring for the gifts that surround us, inspire us by the example of St. Isidore to share our food with the hungry, and to work for the salvation of all people. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostle. We set sail from Tros, making a straight run for Samothrace, and on the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, a leading city in that district of Macedonian and a Roman colony. We spent some time in that city. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate along the river where we thought there would be a place of prayer. We sat and spoke with the women who had gathered there. One of them, a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Tyrethia, a worshiper of God, listened, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul was saying. After she and her household had been baptized, she offered us an invitation. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed on us. The word of the Lord. The Lord takes delight in his people. The Lord takes delight in his people. Sing to the Lord a new song of praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let the Israel be glad in their maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. 
the Lord takes delight in his people. Let them praise his name in the festive dance. Let them sing praise to him with tremble and harp. For the Lord loves his people, and he adorns the lowly with victory. The Lord takes delight in his people. Let the faithful exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy upon their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. The Lord takes, the Lord takes delight, delight in his, in his people. people. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Spirit of Truth will testify to me, says the Lord, and you will also testify. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify to me. And you also testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have told you this so that you may not fall away. They will expel you from the synagogues. In fact, the hour is coming when everyone who kills you will think he is offering worship to God. They will do this because they have not known either the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's Liturgy of the Word speaks to us really of the process of evangelization. We hear the apostles like St. Paul going out to evangelize and proclaim Jesus Christ. We see his listeners or interlocutors who are hearing what Paul is saying. And then, of course, we have the hidden agent of the Holy Spirit who is at work and who is really the driving engine behind all of the missionary activity in the church. In fact, in today's gospel, Jesus says very explicitly that he will send to us the advocate, and he tells his apostle, you testify to me, and the Holy Spirit also will be testifying to me. And there we really see the process of evangelization. The apostles have lived with Jesus, They've listened to Jesus. They know his message. They know who he is as the Son of God. They know they have received the fullness of revelation in him. And they go out following his resurrection and Pentecost, boldly proclaiming this Jesus Christ to all the people whom they meet. And this is what the church continues to strive to do throughout her 2,000 years, that it is the same Jesus Christ and the same revelation that we continue to proclaim. But lest, of course, we worry that it's all up to us, Jesus gives us the assurance that the Holy Spirit is also going to be present to testify to who he is and to the truth which is being communicated to the listeners. We see this process playing out very beautifully with Lydia, whom Paul meets there in Philippi. 
And Lydia, we're told in the Acts of the Apostles, that she has her heart opened by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working with the Apostles to be able to embolden them, encourage them, to help them with the when, how, why of what they are to say. But importantly, the Holy Spirit is also at work in the heart of Lydia to open her ears and heart to the message which is being proclaimed. And we know that she embraces that message and immediately embraces the Christian faith with it. And there we really see what should be our great encouragement and consolation. Of course, we know in the world we live in today, it can take quite a bit of courage to give a word of proclamation about Jesus Christ or about our faith. It isn't always easy, but we should always remember in faith that it isn't just us who is in play here, but rather the most important agent is the hidden force of the Holy Spirit who prepares hearts, who helps us in terms of what to say and when to say. And this is really where our faith and where our boldness ought to come from. Not relying on our own strength and our own brilliant explanations, but rather to have the confidence to know the Holy Spirit is also at work. Now, one case in my own life where this kind of reminded me of this liturgy today was a little over 20 years ago, I was serving as a missionary in Belize, Central America. And coming from Canada, I grew up in a Catholic family and I knew I believed in the Catholic faith, but I didn't necessarily have a great explanation for everything. I still don't, but that's another story. And while we were down there, we had a couple of very inspiring priests, and they kind of, you know, were really opening up the Word of God and the teachings of the Catholic Church to us. And one of the beautiful teachings that I discovered at that time, which I wasn't sure of the explanation for, was really the difference of why artificial contraception is morally unacceptable and why natural family planning is a morally licit way for couples to plan their family when they have sufficient reason to do so. I was really inspired by it. I thought it was really a beautiful explanation. It made all sorts of sense to me. And so when I went back home to Canada, I got together with one of my best friends, been married for a couple of years, and I thought, you know what, this is such a beautiful teaching, I want to share it with him too. Well, I started, and um, there was some pushback. He wasn't quite as impressed, and I could, as I was listening to my own words, I was thinking, boy, I'm not sounding quite as convincing as I would have hoped here. I'm not sure I would be buying this either if I was sitting in his shoes. And you could see he was ever so slightly agitated and with a little bit of pushback. And then after, all of a sudden, after about 20 or 30 minutes, he just stopped and he said, I knew it was wrong. And that was it. And about a week or two later, his wife signed up and started teaching natural family planning classes in their archdiocese. And things went forward. But you know, when you have an experience like that, you realize, I know it wasn't what I said because I wasn't doing a particularly good job of explaining it, but I know it was true what I was saying because it's part of our faith, and I know the Holy Spirit was at work to be able to open his heart and to make him receptive to such a teaching. And that, my brothers and sisters, is really what we encounter in the liturgy today. We have a job and a mission which we're given in baptism to proclaim that can be kind of scary, it can be kind of intimidating, but we're also reminded that the most important force in play and at work is the Holy Spirit, who not only works in our lives to help embolden us, but who also is working in the lives of the listener 
to help each of us come to our salvation in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops. For their physical and spiritual needs, we pray to the Lord. We pray for government leaders that they would be inspired to enact just laws that would protect and safeguard the dignity of human life from the first moment of conception, and laws that would never transgress the natural law. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. We pray for a spirit of boldness that we would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to proclaim Jesus Christ and to have faith in the work of the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we make our offerings at this sacred altar, O Lord, on the feast day of your saints, we ask your mercy that this oblation may render you supreme glory and win for us an abundance of your grace through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. 
we lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But in this time above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. For his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising, the life of all has risen. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers, with the angelic host, Sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, 
and Michael, our bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of a spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things. 
and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already, already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. My shepherd is, whose goodness fails me never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth. And where the verdant pastures grow, with food celestial, Perverse and foolish oft I strayed, but yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulder gently laid and home rejoicing brought me. Let us pray. In the sacrament we have received, O Lord, in commemoration of Blessed Isidore, Sanctify our minds and hearts that we may merit to be made sharers in the divine nature through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King, who hath washed us in the tide, flowing from his pierced side. Praise we him whose love divine gives the guests his blood for wine, gives his body for the feast. Love the victim, love the priest. Where the Paschal blood is poured,
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, my name is Catherine and Valerie and Sarah, and we attend St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Community. And you're listening to KSHJ Houston, 1430 AM. Radio for your soul.